0: This portion of John chapter 6 has some of the most essential of John's writing. Now, way back at the start of us looking at the Gospel of John, we talked about the difference between the Gospel of John and the other three Gospels. Does anybody remember, and I'm just curious, because I don't really expect that you do, But does anybody remember what I said was different about the book of John? He was a witness, witness, that's true. He was Jesus' friend, so He he had insight about Yay! (laughs) Okay, I'm happy. Relationship, yes. I guess I'm better at charades than I thought. That's okay. Especially if I whisper words. So, we talked about how John is different from the other three Gospels. The other three Gospels follow much more in the pattern of discussing the parables and the chronology of Jesus and his ministry. And that is vital. It is extremely important to learn what information Jesus brought that we needed to know. But it is also equally important to understand his relationship style, how he responds to relationship issues, And how he is fully a man. He is fully God and fully man. And we're going to see a little bit of that today. We're going to see people choose hell, we're also going to see people choose redemption and salvation. As we read through this, remember that these people are no different than us. John 6, 60 to 71, from the New International Version. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Now, we're going we're gonna to jump back into the past briefly here. This is the teaching that the followers and students of Jesus were struggling with. You may remember, Sean covered this last week, John 6, 53 to 58. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who Who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? If that isn't a question for today, I don't know what is. People get offended. They are offended by anything because it's offensive. It offends them. And now Jesus sees that his disciples, what are disciples again? Followers, the people who follow him are offended by what he just said. Why are they offended? Because it, seems to go against Old Testament. it seems to go against Old Testament teaching. Does anybody know what the Old Testament teaching was that it seems to go against? Because Sean did talk about this last week too. Blood is life. To drink blood is a sin. And now Jesus is saying something contrary to that. This question is key to the entire event. It isn't that the teaching is hard or easy. It is that it offends them. Sean mentioned that the Jews were prohibited from eating blood by God's law given in the Old Testament. But God, through Jesus, was making a change because the blood of Jesus was exactly what we needed to be made pure. In actual fact, the teaching about Jesus' blood and body being food and drink is irrelevant to what happens. The people were offended. They didn't like what he said. Time and again, people were offended by what Jesus said. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the politicians, the regular people, and the Gentiles. People who were offended by what he had to say decided he was a liar or a criminal or an insurrectionist. They were offended by things like hand washing, a day's pay, wedding preparations, and who actually gets to hear God's word. Today, many people are offended by the word of God. Sometimes, even we are. There are things that I read in the Bible that disturb me. There are things that the Bible says that actually do offend me. That might sound weird coming from someone who's actually preaching a sermon. But if I'm not honest about that, what possibility is there for me to grow? You will be offended by things in the Bible. Maybe not by the same things that I am. But the only way you will not be offended is if you do not read the Bible. And if you do not read the Bible, you will Continuing on, verse 62. Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known From the beginning, which of them did not believe and who would betray him? He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Little interesting note, this is the only gospel that this is recorded in. This whole section is only in the book of John because it is entirely about relationship. Their relationship with Jesus ended. In looking at this over the years, different people have suggested, well, but maybe after the resurrection, some of them came back. Well, let's see what it says there. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They didn't. They stopped. Here's a moment of choice presented with information that required people to move out of their comfort zone, to admit and acknowledge that they didn't actually believe and that they needed to change what they followed so they could follow Jesus. They had to make a choice. And what a choice. So what did they do? They left. Many. Left and no longer followed Jesus because they were offended by his teaching. They chose sin over salvation. Now, imagine Jesus looking around where moments ago there were many followers and seeing perhaps only the 12 remaining. Remember that although he was the fullness of God, he was also fully man. And because of this, perhaps we understand his next words. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Do you remember what Jesus did when he said, let's go see the body of Lazarus? He wept. And when Jesus looks around and he sees that many of his followers have walked away. His question to the twelve is, you don't want to leave too, do you? No, we don't know his tone of voice. But we know he's emotional. I was told once in my, in my first years of preaching, I was still at Bible college, and I was filling in at a church. And even though he wasn't there, I feel confident that either Richard or Jim will vouch for this. I was told I was too emotional. Now, I'm doing really well. I haven't cried yet. So I feel, you know, I'm coming along with this. But there are people who will say... This is not an emotional thing. We should not get too emotional. Okay. Let's pretend for a second that this is not an emotional topic. That the whole of the gospel isn't an emotional topic. We'll get back to that in a few minutes. But let's pretend it isn't. Why would Jesus ask the twelve that question then? Because what have we already established Throughout the book of John. What does Jesus know? He knows the hearts of people. He didn't have to ask them. He has the power of the creator. He knows his creation. So why did he ask? Because he wanted to hear them. Because he needed to hear them. Because he is fully human. Just as he is fully God. We don't understand that complexity. I will never understand that complexity. And frankly, I'm okay with that. I don't need to understand it. To, I also know that the sun is incredibly hot. I don't exactly understand how it contains and doesn't go flying all over the place. I don't need to know that. Jesus turned to the twelve, and he asked them, you guys leaving too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, Lord, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. Jesus knew their hearts. He knew what was going to happen. Before creation existed, Jesus knew that many of his disciples were going to walk away that day. But knowing something beforehand doesn't always help prevent the emotional response of the moment. This is relationship. Relationship is key here. Because the twelve recognized the truth of Jesus and who he is. Because of that, they were able to take control of their faith and stay with Jesus. How could they be offended at what the Holy One of God said? They were submitted to Jesus in all ways, and yet... And yet, there stands Judas Iscariot who would betray Jesus with a kiss. Judas, who Jesus had handpicked already, knowing what Jesus would choose to do, and still Jesus walked the road leading to the cross. Why? Because of relationships. We're going to jump backwards to John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. This is the culmination of the entire ministry of Jesus. It is the salvation of all who will come to him, of all whom God will enable. And we're talking about reading things and, and hearing things that offend you and that one sentence offends me. All who God will enable. My goodness, that sounds Calvinistic. We can't have that. Except it would be foolish to say that God doesn't control things and God doesn't make decisions sometimes. I was uh, working with a fellow in uh, ministry at one point, and he had actually become the senior minister almost by accident. He had no training to be a minister. Uh, in fact, he was trained to be a music teacher. But at the church, um, the senior minister stepped down to retire, and the church had a huge relationship with this man And his family, and and so they said, okay, instead of being our worship minister, we want you to be our senior minister. And he was a phenomenal worship minister. I have rarely met someone at his level. He was fantastic. But he had almost no Bible training. And I offended him on this very topic. Because I said something about God hardening people's hearts, and he said God would never do that. I said, God does it twice. Can anyone tell me when the first time in the Bible that God hardens someone's heart? Pharaoh. Pharaoh's saying, No way, I'm not letting my slaves go. Plague, plague, plague. No way, uh uh-uh. uh. Plague, plague, plague. Well, maybe that's a, uh uh-uh. uh uh. You had your chance. And God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Because now God is going to make a point. What's well, the second time? Book of Romans, chapter 1, second half of chapter 1. And Paul's writing about people who started out recognizing that God exists, although not exactly following him, but then they start leaning into sin. And then they start teaching sin. And then they start approving of people who are committing sin. And God says, "Mm, now you're done. And makes them unable to repent. And he got so upset the day that I explained that, that he actually left. And he came back about a day later and he said to me, I never read that. I said, I don't like it either but he's God and I'm not. And we say that God is separate from us, that he doesn't understand us because we're people. And yet Jesus turns to the 12 that he handpicked and says, are you going to leave too? Even though he knows their hearts. He knows his heart too. John 1, 1 1-4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all things. Mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus' purpose is relationship with you. I want you to take a second and think about that. Now, for those of you who have never really thought about that idea, it, it might be kind of new. For those of you who have been doing this forever and a day and, oh, I've been a Christian forever, I want you to take a second and think about that again. The Word was God. And He's a light in the darkness for all mankind, for you. Jesus came to earth, to save the world not to condemn it and we have to bring that down sometimes to me to us to people to Vladimir Putin to Adolf Hitler James Jones. doesn't matter who it is. There's not a person on this planet who doesn't have a chance to be saved by Jesus Christ from the results of their sins. I have sinned. You have sinned. But wait. Surely our sins aren't the same. Some people have sinned more And worse, and some people have sinned less. I mean, isn't it biblical? Oh, thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like that person is. It is if you take it out of context. What is needed to pay for any sin? the blood of Jesus. And it doesn't matter if you told somebody they had really nice hair when you thought it looked like someone had been using them as a mop. It doesn't matter if you took out a knife and stabbed somebody on a dark night on a corner and just to get their wallet and their watch. It doesn't matter if you dropped a nuclear bomb on a country. Your sin requires the blood of Jesus Christ. And he shed it. He made the sacrifice. Because he's your light. And it doesn't say that he felt obligated to the whole world. It doesn't say that he had a moral duty to the whole world. It says that he loved the whole world. That's why he saves us. That's why. It's relationship. And so when Jesus looks around and he sees that many of his disciples have stopped following him, have walked away, You can tell me that this isn't emotional but I don't believe you. If you have small children you remember maybe it hasn't happened to you yet it will, trust me. Maybe you remember that first time that you put down your hand to take your child's hand like walking through the mall or someplace and they go "Hmm." That's a killer moment. Or that first time when you say to them, hey, this is a great idea, you should try and do this, and they go, no, I'm going to do this thing over there. And you know they're going to hit the wall. But they get to make their own choices now. That's Jesus. And that's his love each and every one of us. John is a book of relationship. John is about God loving the world. And here's what Jesus does. And as you read through this, I want you to remember that the author John, he was the disciple of two teachers. Who was his first? Do you remember who he was following when Jesus called him? John the Baptist. What happened to him? He was beheaded. And he felt emotional enough that he sent one of his current disciples to Jesus to ask a question. Does anybody remember what the question is? Are you the one? Is this real? Did I get it right? And Jesus' response is, tell them what you see. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel heartbroken. It is okay to look at this world and feel an amount of despair when we share the gospel and people go, don't be talking to me about that. That's offensive. You can't judge me like that. Uh-uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh. It's okay to be upset about that. And I'm going to tell you something that's a little bit more painful. It's okay for people to choose to walk away. They get that right. Jesus did not take any of those people by the scruff of the neck and drag them back and shake their head over the scroll and say, you pay attention now, young man. He let them go.